Here's a glimpse of what's coming up next on Contemplate. If Jesus is the only way to be saved, if the only way to be in relationship with God and to be right with God is through Jesus, then what about the woman or the man in the deepest, darkest jungle of wherever, fill in the blank, who's never heard of Jesus? As we saw in the first four verses of Acts chapter 10, a Roman centurion named Cornelius was praying and an angel appeared to him. Let's find out more along with the answer to that great question that we've all wondered about. Here's Pastor David. So, he sees this angel, he's afraid, and he says to the angel what a smart person would say, which is, what is it? What, what do you want me to do? He calls him Lord, which, you know, puts, puts it in perspective that Cornelius understood the nature of the power structure of this relationship. The guy, the angel, who was incredibly powerful, was in charge, and he was going to do what the angel said. So he says, what do you want me to do? And this angel tells him something that I find fascinating and, and just a huge blessing. He says, listen, your prayers and your alms, this giving to the poor, these things that you're doing, this heart, your heart, these things that you've done out of, out of your heart, they've come up for a memorial before God. In other words, when you pray, God does listen. When you do what God has called you to do, and this guy's not even at this point, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know any of that, but we know that he's seeking after truth. I'm not saying he was a perfect man, okay? He was devout, he was seeking truth, but he was still a sinner just like anybody else. But nevertheless, when he did these things, when he made these movements towards God, towards seeking him, God heard him, recognized him, and as a result sends him this angel. Let's look at and see what happens next. We're going to look at verses 5 and 6. It says, now, this is the angel talking, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. All right. Tells him to go to Simon Peter. That's Peter. We know Peter. Um, for those of you who have been around for a while, we've talked a lot about Peter. Peter's one of these guys. He has his good days and his bad days. Um, he tends to chew on his foot a lot, uh, especially when he was, was walking around with Jesus. He'd say things without, it was kind of like ready, fire, aim. You know, that's, that's Peter. And, and yet God took Peter and, has, and used him and has used him mightily in the beginning of the church here. And this angel is saying, listen, the angel doesn't preach the gospel to him. He says, go get Peter. Go send for Peter. Peter's going to come and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to this guy. Okay? He sends him to do this. Remember, um, when we left Peter, he was in Joppa with this guy named Simon the Tanner. Another one of those very cool things about Scripture and about who God is. Remember, Tanners, this is a Jewish guy, Simon the Tanner. Um, but even though he's a Jewish guy, he was, would have been rejected by the, the powers that be in Judaism. Most of the Jews would have, would have wanted to stay away from him for a couple reasons. Tanning, this is what you, something you do with animal hides, was stinky. It smelled bad. No refrigeration, no way to deal with that smell. So on a hot day in Joppa and you're tanning an animal skin, it doesn't smell good. Also, the Jews had these things about touching dead bodies, which he would have had to touch uh, the dead bodies of animals all the time. And so the Jews sort of rejected him. And once again, God shows us by Peter staying with him and him showing up in the Bible, God shows us that even when society wants to reject you, 
They don't understand you. They can't deal with it. They, you're weird to them or you're different to them or whatever. And so you get rejected by them. God, those are the very people who God says, uh-uh, this is my girl. This is my guy. I like them. I love them. And they're no less than you. Not only that, I'm going to honor them, even though society or culture or whoever wants to reject. This is the God that we serve. You will, no matter, everyone goes out around with a fear of rejection. Just know, God doesn't reject you. God may call you to certain, uh, certain things, to follow him, to, to obey his commands, to do these things, but he doesn't reject he doesn't reject people just because they don't happen to meet some societal standard that somebody set up. And here, Simon the Tanner, we see, we also saw it with, with the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, who eunuchs weren't liked by the Jews either, but yet this guy's trying to serve God and was probably rejected, and yet he gets to make scripture too as Philip comes and preaches the word to him. We saw that a couple weeks ago. Okay, so Jesus is always honoring those people who others want to reject, so, Cornelius is seeking God truly in his heart, and God is honoring Cornelius by sending him an angel, and he's going to send him Peter, okay? So, let's look at the next two verses, last two that we're going to do for today. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So here's another uh, proof of Cornelius' wealth and power. He's got all these servants and soldiers who are waiting on him all, all the time. I can't get my kids to do all my housework so I can sit around, let alone, right, having servants and, and, and whatever. If any of you do, I'd like to borrow your servants because that would be sweet. Um, not really, probably, but because um, I don't want them to see how messy my house is. But in any case, he's got these servants and he's got these soldiers. They do what he calls them to do. It shows you where he is, his status in society. He's this wealthy, powerful man, which makes it all the more amazing that he's willing to do what he needs to do, possibly give that up to follow after Christ, to follow after Christ. So um, what do we want to take from this passage? Let me, let me move to that. We know, and I'll give you a spoiler alert for those of you who don't know how to read the next part for yourself, uh, the, what we're going to see is Peter is going to come. Cornelius and his whole household are going to get saved, okay? They're all going to get saved. He's, Jesus is going to get preached. These guys are going to get saved. It's the first, what we look at is the first major entrance of Gentiles, those who were not Jews, into Christianity. Prior to this time, it had all been Jewish people who were coming to know Christ. It's going to be the first time that we see these Gentiles come to know him, okay? And so... Very, very cool thing, but what can we take? Here's what we can take. Many of you have asked this question or have at least heard this question, and we're going to answer this question today. And here's the question. If Jesus is the only way to be saved, if the only way to be in relationship with God and to be right with God is through Jesus, then what about the woman or the man in the deepest, darkest jungle of wherever, fill in the blank, who's never heard of Jesus? What about that person? You may have heard this, you may have asked this, you may be wondering about this, okay? The first question that I want to deal with, though, before we answer that question, is if, you're, if you think about this question, ask yourself this, why am I asking this question? What is my motivation to ask it? Because I've seen at least a couple different motivations, at least a couple different motivations. One, truly you're struggling with what seems like maybe it's unfair or something, right? Like, like, 
if, if Jesus is the only way and God says Jesus is the only way, then what about these people who've never heard of him? What, what do we do about them? They're going to die without knowing Jesus. That, that, I'm, I'm trying to reconcile that because I already believe in God and I believe he's just, but I want to understand how it works. So that's one way. The other way is more of an argument against the goodness of God, an argument against God. Right? And that argument goes something like this. It says, if Jesus is the only way to heaven, then a good God would make sure everyone has heard of Jesus. Everyone has not heard of Jesus. Therefore, God is not good. Got that? That's the argument that some make. If God was good, everyone would have heard of Jesus if he's truly the only way. Not everyone's heard of him. God is not good. So this is an argument that some people put against the goodness of the character of God. So let me deal with the argument first. Let me talk about how it affects us. And I'll try to, to walk through this pretty quick. Okay, first, number one, God has revealed himself to everyone through nature. Everyone. We have read more than once that passage from Romans chapter one, where it tells us that people have no excuse for not knowing or following God because what can be known about God can be seen through nature. And we know this. God's eternal power, his Godhead, who he is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, all of these things are mirrored in nature. You can see them. If you seek them and you look for them, you can see them if you are seeking, okay? We know that. Second, Romans 2 tells us that God has written the law on our hearts, what we call the conscience, the thing that says, when I do something bad and I don't feel great about it, right? And I push it away and well, I don't want to think about that. That thing, that's the law written on your heart. You know what is good and what is bad or have some idea of it because God has written the law on your heart. Now, here's the thing about that. If God has not written the law on your heart, you couldn't even talk about whether God is good because you would have no conception of what good was. Where would that conception come from? The very fact that you want to hold God accountable to being good or not good depends on the idea that you know what good is, which means that God had to have put that in your heart, which means he's probably good. Anyway, number three, God does reveal Jesus to everyone who seeks the truth by seeking God. Everyone who seeks the truth by seeking God. The book of John tells us this. It says in John 1, 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. That being Jesus, he was the true light, which gives light to what? Every person, everyone who is born on this earth, the light of Jesus gives light to them. They can look and see if they choose to. We talked about those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, right? You can see a light or you can go like this, but the light is there for everyone. doesn't matter what jungle they live in, okay, or what deep place where you can't get to they live in. Jesus lights everyone so that they can see and know him. Number four, we know that there will be people from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Every tongue, tribe, people, and nation that will be in heaven, that will be saved. How do we know it? Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, it says this, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number 
of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. How many? More than anyone could number. Every tribe, nation, people, tongue. So, somehow, God is able to get his truth to those, even to those who we haven't yet been able to bring the gospel to. He's able to reveal it to, to those people, okay? Last, last point here. We know that those who seek God will find him. We know that those who seek God will find him. This is what uh, the Lord says in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. We saw this with the Ethiopian eunuch as he's trying to understand Scripture, and God sends Philip running super fast to catch up with a chariot so that he can tell this guy about Jesus. God sends Philip to him because this eunuch is seeking God, and God was going to make sure that he found Jesus. We see it here with Cornelius, this man who wants to do what's right, who wants to seek God, and God sends an angel to go send, go get Peter, who's about 30 miles away in Joppa, and they didn't have Amtrak back then, to get up there to talk to him about Jesus. God was going to make sure that he was going to hear the truth because he was seeking God. All it takes is a simple Google search, and you can hear about people, many Muslims actually, and recently, it seems like more and more and more stories are coming out of the Middle East and North Africa of these Muslim folks who are in places where the gospel is not allowed. Guns start shooting when people start talking about Jesus. So they're not around that. And yet, there's all these stories of people who have seen Jesus appear to them in visions and dreams, telling them to follow him. And they've left Islam and followed Christ, even at the risk of their life. Because Christ has found a way to get to those who are seeking him. So, whether you get it through a dream, or a vision, or a friend who invites you to church, or a Facebook ad, or a church that, that grows up in your community, whether it comes from a gut feeling you know, little hairs on the back of your neck, whatever it happens to be, God will use any number of ways to, to bring you to truth. If you seek him, he will bring you to truth. He will do it. He tells us that he will. And he uses many ways to draw people to truth. Now, I want you to be very careful about what I just said. I did not say many truths that lead to one way. I said many ways that lead to one truth. It is incontestable. The evidence is clear. There is no relationship with God outside of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through the Son. There is no other way. There is only one way. But God can use many, many ways to draw people to that truth, often drawing them out of false religions, idol worship, selfishness, secular humanism, Whatever it happens to be, God's pulling people constantly, constantly calling them, showing them. Those who want to seek truth, he is there to make sure that they find it. There's a fellow named J.C. McCauley, and he says this. He says, God will not leave a seeking soul to perish. God will not leave a seeking soul to perish. He tells a story about a, a missionary in China, a guy named Francis Dickey. This is many, many years ago. 
And Francis Dickey is in China, and he's at a, at a gathering, a small gathering of Christians, and he, he thinks that everyone there is already a Christian, and he's going to give a, going to preach a message, kind of an encouragement, exhortation to these folks, and he feels compelled, seemingly by the Holy Spirit, to just preach the gospel and tell people how to be saved. And he starts preaching, he's preaching this message, and after he preaches for a while, there's a man in the back who stands up and says, I have it now, I found it now, something like that. Well, the service ends, and he goes and he talks to this guy, and this is the story the guy tells him. He says, listen, for all these years, I have been seeking after whatever will give me peace in my heart. I've gone from shrine to shrine, hundreds of miles. I've, I've, I've been doing these spiritual disciplines, whatever I can do, and nothing has worked. Failure after failure after failure, I find no peace. I, f- I don't find God. And when you told me about Jesus Christ, and how to follow him, peace washed over my heart, and I knew it was true. And here's the thing. I was led, after I was about to give up on this search I've been doing for all these years, I was literally compelled, street by street, pulled, until I found this building and walked inside. didn't even know what it was. And here I hear about Jesus. And there is story after story after story like this, of God who will call people to himself. So, let me just tell you, God's going to reveal himself to those who seek him. To call God unjust or unfair is absurd. If God was just, you'd be in big trouble, right? He's gracious. He's better than just. He's gracious. If he was just, we'd get what we deserve for our selfishness, for the way we treat other people, for the things that we do. But instead, he's given us Jesus Christ. And when we seek him, he'll make sure we know him. So don't worry about the person in the jungle Worry about you. Worry about you. Because here's the thing. You aren't in the jungle. Let me tell you something. You ready? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died and he rose again. And he did it for you because he loves you. And you can have your sins forgiven and know him by simply choosing to follow him and give up yourself and submit yourself to Christ. You can have salvation. Now you know. There it is. You've heard it. Now you're responsible. See, you can't know what any other person, whether it's your neighbor or whether it's the person in that country far away that you think has never heard of Jesus, you can't know how God is working with them, but you can know that he's working with you, and you can know that there's a reason he called you here or to watch the video or whatever it is to hear this message. You can know that he's put you in that situation so that you could hear it. Now you've heard it. Now don't worry about that other person. God has made it clear that if they seek him, he will make sure they find him. The question is, what are you going to do with it? You cannot use the excuse that you don't want to follow God because you think he's unfair to some other person that you don't know their heart and you don't know what they experience. The question today is, what is God calling you to? What is he calling you to do? Are you to follow Christ? I'll tell you, you're going to have to give things up to do it. But what you get is so much more. Your life's not going to be perfect. I guarantee there will be hard times, maybe even more hard times, but you will have the joy and peace of God in your heart as you walk through it and the, and the guarantee that you will be with him forever. Now, if you don't know how to choose to follow Christ, we have elders and deacons and leaders and staff and pastors in this room who can tell you about that. Probably anyone near you, ask them, hey, I want to know how to follow Christ. And they'll either tell you or they'll show you somebody who can. We would love to see it because we love to see what Christ does when we choose to follow him. And that is he transforms life. 
He transforms families. He, tra- he changes our desires from those things that harm us and others to those things that give life and love. He did it for me. He wants to do it for you. He loves you. He loves you. That's why you heard the truth today. You heard the truth today. Decide what you're going to do with it. So what are you going to do with it? If you already know Jesus as your Savior, are you going to share that truth with others? And if you don't, are you ready to finally have the peace and purpose in life that you've been looking for? You can, and you can do that right now as you simply ask Jesus to forgive your sins and be your Lord and Savior. And if you still have questions or we can help you make that life-changing decision for Christ, call us at 360-885-9000. Or come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington this Sunday morning. You can get easy directions anytime at axechurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.